Hi, this is Guardian Australia Reads. I'm Jane Lee. Every week, we ask Guardian Australia's editors what their favourite articles are, and then we read them aloud for you. Since the start of the pandemic, Peter Doherty has been a key figure in the debate over how Australia makes its way out of the COVID-19 crisis. So who is the man behind the modelling? Lucy Clark is Guardian Australia's Features Editor. Lucy, tell me why you commissioned this piece. These days when we hear the word modelling, we no longer think of fashion shows and photo shoots. We're thinking the Doherty modelling. And it comes from the Doherty Institute, which is named for Professor Peter Doherty. And he's just this great 80-year-old Australian character whose name must be mentioned hundreds and hundreds of times a day in the media at the moment. And we just wanted to know, who is he? It's a lovely profile of a lovely character written by a lovely writer. Let's hear it. This is COVID, Twitter and Dan Murphy's opening hours. Peter Doherty on his not-so-restful retirement by Paul Daly. As soon as Australia's most famous medical scientist, the veterinary surgeon, immunologist and Nobel laureate Peter Doherty answers his phone, it dawns on me that it is probably the worst time of day to call him. It is 11am on a Tuesday morning. 11 o'clock. We all know what that means. More grim news about New South Wales's COVID-19 caseload and deaths. A Premier wanting us not to dwell on infection numbers, or the many more who will die, but on freedoms that might soon come with increased vaccination. It's OK, 80-year-old Doherty says in a gravelly voice down the line from Melbourne. I don't watch it. My wife Penny usually does, and she debriefs me later. There is a certain sameness to it, isn't there? and moments of stunning irrationality. Doherty was awarded the Nobel Prize in Physiology and Medicine in 1996 and named Australian of the Year in 97. He has, perhaps, the most evoked name in Australia right now, as a fractious federation focuses on how and when to release half its population from lockdown and reopen internal borders. Doherty has become synonymous with modelling. Indeed, the Doherty modelling is referenced thousands of times a day in politics and media, shorthand for the outline put forward by the Peter Doherty Institute, named in his honour, and of which he is still a patron. Doherty had effectively retired, reducing his commitments to the Institute to one day per week so he could work on what he intended to be his seventh non-fiction book, titled Empire, War and Tennis, a story about his two tennis-playing servicemen uncles and the obsession of empire with the original sport of kings. That manuscript is a non-science departure from his other books, which include the popular The Beginner's Guide to Winning the Nobel Prize and the prescient How to Survive a Pandemic. He says, Empire, war and tennis. That's what I was obsessed with rather than science because I was getting a bit to the end of it and then this whole thing opened up. The whole thing is, of course... The COVID-19 pandemic, which presented in Wuhan, China, in late 2019, but did not become a cold reality in Australia until the last dozy days of January 2020, when the then Chief Commonwealth Health Officer, Brendan Murphy, announced the first Australian case. Doherty's plans for near-complete retirement went out the window. Drawing on his impressive skills as a science communicator, 
he wrote a series of articles for his institute's website and a range of publications about virology, immunology and Australia's COVID-19 response. These articles form his recently published anthology, Peter Doherty, An Insider's Play Gear. Another science book, yes, but one that chronicles history in the making, in a frightening and globally momentous year that has challenged Australian cohesion and public health more than any since the Spanish flu pandemic of 1919 and 1920. In March 2020, he began participating in the Doherty Institute's thrice-weekly strategy meetings. This gave him immediate insight into the pressure the Institute was under, not only in terms of studying the disease and helping to develop vaccines and treatments, but also in communicating about it. In his own words, he became a junior journalist, writing coherently, elegantly and entertainingly for a popular audience on the fact-based medical ins and outs of the virus. Chapters include Pustules, Poxes and World Immunisation Week, Slime, Rhyme and Snot in the Time of COVID-19 and Antibody and the Why in Immunology. Doherty also muses widely, with many allusions to the writers he admires, among them Shakespeare, Kafka, Orwell, Seamus Heaney and Kazuo Ishiguro, on everything from the potential for dogs to identify COVID, ecocide, environmentally sustainable living, the virtues of universal basic income, the disturbing social inequality of the pandemic and government responses, and the scientific denialism of Trump. As a chronology of threatened doom, medical science and political response, it is a gripping, compelling page-turner. Asked how much he is still working these days to communicate about the virus, I'm spending an enormous amount of time on it. Part of that time is taken up because I've got onto Twitter. I think when this thing kicked off, I had about 16,000 followers. Because I do comment on politics and all sorts of things. I treat it as a discussion, and it can be quite interesting. Because you can get some interesting points from other people. You certainly hear from people who don't think like you do. And unless they're abusive and want to send you straight to hell... It can be pretty helpful. At the end of April last year, Doherty, intending to make a Google search, accidentally typed Dan Murphy opening hours into Twitter, winning him countless empathetic hearts and tens of thousands of new followers. He now has 86,000. He says, You know, I've actually been on the wagon since late April, and I can tell you I'm sleeping a lot better. I now buy this disgusting non-alcoholic wine from the supermarket and just pretend. Why the wagon? Because I'm 80 years old, and I've actually found that a drink a day was affecting me badly. I wasn't sleeping well, and it really was not doing me any good at all. So we tried abstemious April earlier this year, and we haven't gone back to it. Because I feel a lot healthier. I mean, it's bad enough. The COVID thing is oppressive for all of us, and it's easy to get into a really dark mood about it, so I found dropping the alcohol helps. I was relieved to find I didn't find it hard to stop at all. The doherty of this book is complex, an aesthete with a strong social justice bent who abhors political humbug, the denial of evidence and social inequity. His contempt for scientific charlatanism is illustrated early when he writes about American medical scientists Anthony Fauci and Deborah Burks, both of whom he first met when they were working on HIV-AIDS vaccine immunology in the 1980s. In his book, he writes, 
I felt enormous empathy for both Tony and Debbie as they tried to deal with Trump's barrage of disinformation and deliberate ignorance, and was especially sorry for Debbie as she sat there listening to him speculate about the possibility that people could drink bleach. That practice killed at least one person, and probably many more. Doherty recalls being in Seattle with his family for Christmas 2016, soon after Trump's election. We just happened to be there to join hands with Seattle residents, who came together in silent grief at the results of the recent presidential election. There were more than enough people to circle the lake, and, as COVID-19 and other events have shown us, they were right to be despondent. After another visit to Seattle in December 2019, Peter and Penny Doherty returned to a burning Australia. Despite multiple warnings about the dangers of the extreme dryness and heat and requests for more resources to prepare for what was to happen, many of us were, in fact, wondering if we were going down the same crazy road of evidence denial and lies that was the hallmark of the Trump administration. He says that Australians are not as obsessed with personal freedom as Americans and are generally more willing to make collective personal sacrifices to enhance community safety through lockdowns. But people are becoming tired of it and less willing to be told what to do. It's just gone on so long. But then, a lot of people are really scared about the possibility of opening up. I mean, you get a lot of feedback about that on Twitter, he says. As state premiers, especially those in Queensland and Western Australia, resist interpretations of the Doherty modelling, whereby lockdowns would ease and internal borders potentially open with increased vaccination rates, Doherty says it's understandable. If you're the Premier of Tasmania, Western Australia, South Australia or heading the Northern Territory, why would you want to open up if you saw thousands of cases a day in the Eastern States? It's going to be an enormous political challenge, this thing. So what about when vaccination rates hit 80%? Well, 80% vaccination is just 60% vaccination of the population, I think. I'd like to think we can do 80% down to those aged over 12, but the modelling is based on 80% down to over 16. You know, there's a lot of assumptions in the modelling. Modelling is sophisticated thought experiment. You have to put a lot of assumptions in about the rate of virus spread from vaccinated people and all this sort of stuff, and we just don't have very good data on a lot of that. This, you would have to say, is a cautious view of the future. All the while, more Australians, like Americans, are compelled by conspiracy theorists and snake oil promoters experimenting with the bovine drug ivermectin to self-treat COVID-19, while new variants of the virus potentially challenge vaccine efficacy and raise the prospect of continuing mass infections, deaths, lockdowns and partial lockdowns. Doherty says... If the virus changes dramatically and the vaccine is no longer working, well, obviously we've got to lock it out of Australia until other vaccines are available. We can make new vaccines against variants, but we're all hoping that doesn't need to happen. But there's no guarantees. That was COVID Twitter and Dan Murphy's opening hours. Peter Doherty on his not-so-restful retirement by Paul Daly. The reader was Dorji Swallow. To see photos and the full article, go to Guardian Australia's website. 
This episode was produced by Ariel Sidario, Alison Chan, and Camilla Hannon. I'm Jane Lee. See you next time.